but then I somehow picked up a credit card and it all went downhill from there because it was like free money and you can afford, if you can afford the monthly payment on it and it was stupid things. From Money Fit by DRS, it's the Money Fit Show, your weekly podcast about real difficult money stories, overcoming financial obstacles, and tips for building healthy money habits. Welcome to the Money Fit Show. I'm Todd Christensen, your host, and today I speak with the founder of Last Night's Game about the money lessons she learned on her path from childhood through starting her own business. Wax on, wax off. After seeing how the ability to talk sports gave her the upper hand as a woman in business, Amy Siegfried, a third-generation entrepreneur, created Last Night's Game to give her friends the same advantage. Last Night's Game empowers its readers and, I'll say, listeners to join the sports conversation even if they don't know the first thing about sports. And so it is my pleasure to welcome you, Amy Siegfried, to The Money Fit Show. Thank you, Todd. Thanks for having me. You bet. I want to. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Uh, you and I. I mentioned uh, something that I had heard on your your uh, earlier uh, uh, session, but I want to start off with this question for you to introduce you to our uh, listeners. If you could go back to elementary, middle, high school, or even college, um, is there a teacher, tr- coach, mentor that you would want to say thank you to, and why? I think, well, so I didn't play sports and that's the funny part about um, someone working in sports. I played soccer for one season and I was horrible and I hated it. Um, I was a dancer, so I was not meant to be a actual, those who can't do teach, I guess is what you say, right? (laughs) Um, So I would say that my, the teacher that kind of pops into my head is Mrs. Dixon and she was my first grade teacher. Hmm. And now as a parent, I really see sort of all perspectives of her, but I, I vividly remember two things with her. Um, one, I had a baby brother, a brand new baby brother when I was in first grade uh-huh. and she was so good about bringing him in so the class could meet him and all those things. And, but also giving me sort of that boost as an older sister and, and kind of, you know, because the babies gets all the attention yeah. and I just yeah. remember that from her. And then I remember I was, I was also a bit of a, um, I don't want to say troublemaker. I had a lot of energy and, okay. uh, I remember doing some sort of project or something at school and it was with popcorn. And I remember for some reason walking around and smashing all the popcorn on the classroom floor. And she took me outside and she was like, you can't do this. Here's why you can't do this. And this is this. And I kind of just laid into me a little bit like a mom would. Yeah. And I, I just remember appreciating that someone was sort of checking me because I'm sure that would probably wasn't the best time in life with baby brothers and all the things. And, yeah. you know, as a parent, you start to think about that perspective of, you've got to show your kid they're special, but also that they, they're not that special. They need to also behave themselves. <laughs> and so I, I think, I, you know, kind of looking at that full circle of how she really truly cared and, and, and she showed that in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. That's neat. I, I, uh, I, I can completely understand as a, as a, with, we've got four kids and our youngest is now in college and there's, there's several teachers that we just uh, look back on with great fondness and appreciation mm-hmm. for, for what they've done. It's a, it's, it's a, it is a job that is, I mean, it is, it is truly like God's work. I mean, that is just yeah. a, a, to be a teacher is 
such a phenomenal privilege because you're, yeah. you, you are teaching and cultivating these young people, but so much falls on our teachers. And, yeah. you know, I, I talk to people who are teachers and they're like, well, parents expect me to do the discipline and this and that. And it's like, okay, they're trying to teach our kids to be smarter, brilliant global citizens. And so some of those things, I just, I think they do so many great things and they, they fill so many roles in people's lives. And so thank you teachers yeah. who are listening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. The, 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 the I, I, I'd uh, make a comment about the, uh, the, the typical expression that those who can do, you know, those who can really do teach, you know, they, there's, it does, it takes a special um, person and, and can have a real long-term impact. Mm-hmm. So, well, uh, Amy, I want to uh, um, talk about, uh, we can talk about your, your personal finance journey. That's kind of what we do on this show. Uh, and we're going to bring in all parts of your, you know, your journey from um, that include starting this, uh, this blog and podcast of yours, the uh, last night's game, which I think is, is, is a brilliant idea uh, for many reasons, but let's, well, sure. Where should we start? Um, should we go back to college or maybe a little before college to talk about your relationship with money? What, how you defined yourself as far as, uh, somebody handling money or dealing with money or earning money? Well, you know, what's, what's an I don't, I don't really know. I guess I'll, I'll throw out a thought process and then maybe we can go from there. You know, I, um, I come from a, uh, my my parents. Um, my my father is my th- that's why I'm a third generation entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. He was a mechanic, owned his own garage, uh, did car sales, um, right next to the front gate of Nellis Air Force Base in Las Vegas, outside Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and my mom worked in wealth management, and so there's kind of two two totally different schools of thought on that one. And um, I really didn't ever have to pay attention to a lot of what happened from a finance perspective, stocks, et cetera, because my mom always did it. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was one thing that was really interesting for me as I grew up and, and some people were facilitating and were involved with their family finances. And my mom would talk about it a lot, but I mean, we weren't really, I wasn't having to dive into certain things and, and mm-hmm. maybe that's me and my brother is actually very involved in some of the stuff. So maybe it was just one thing she learned from one to the other. But then there's my, my dad, who's you know, a businessman. And that was when, you know, people are paying in cash and things. We always paid for everything in cash. We never yeah. used credit cards as a kid that I, that I can even remember. So um, that is one thing that, uh, that always resonated to me. And the, the funny part of having credit card debt as a college student and how I maybe never learned how to, I, I don't really know the connection. I'm not a therapist, but um <laughs> It, it, it's really fascinating. That, like my parents, like I said, never used a credit card. It, everything was in cash. So um, that was just always how we did, always how we did business, always how I think we only did the credit card when we bought supplies for the garage. Um, and then I think after a while, it was like, that was for the, for my dad used it for gas for work. That was about it. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of funny how you have, uh, you know, two different perspectives of cash only and then, you know, everything kind of being the finance world sort of all being taken care of. And it was just very interesting. To, yeah. to how that happens. So you were around, uh, you heard the, uh, 
the vocabulary. You were very comfortable with the vocabulary of of finance growing up, or were you interested, or just you know, oh, that's what mom does. I'm not, you know, whatever. Let her do that. A little bit of both. So you know, when in the summer when you're between summer camps and your parents are trying to figure out what to do with you, <laughs> I would go to work with my dad. And I loved it because I'd get there and get a donut in the morning. We'd get up, you know, we would leave the house at 5 a.m. We'd yeah, get up, I'd yeah. get it, stop, we'd stop and get a donut and coffee and get to the shop and do all the things. And I'd wash cars and help change oil and take out the trash. And I loved that. Yep. And then I'd go to work with my mom and they would have these huge body sized filing cabinets with all of these files in it. And I would help her file and she'd be talking in fractions and I still hate fractions. And <laughs> Hey, it was like, I don't even know what's going on. I understood the idea of we bought some MGM resort stock today and it yeah. went, it did well and we sold it. And that's how we bought our pool. Like I get, I got that sort of yeah. thing, but we yeah. never really talked through uh, some of those things. I, I'm really the, the nitty gritty of it, but yes, was very familiar with the terminology of it. And yeah. um, so much so, so kind of this doesn't really totally fit into here, but um, I went back to get my MBA last in 2020. Yeah. And that was because, um, you know, I'd gone through my career. Uh, I was a journalism major. Uh, kind of what I do is a lot of creative. And yeah. I started to get into investing, uh, angel investing in some of those things. And I didn't, I, I knew the words, but I didn't understand the meaning behind the words and what that truly meant. Mm-hmm. And I felt, I felt inept. That was something that I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. And so I went back to get my MBA because I wanted to be able to translate that information to my business, to my home life. And I, I felt like this was an area I was, la- I was lacking. And so, yeah. you know, I sort of owned the fact that I really don't know what's going on. So let me dive in and figure out how this all works. You, well, it sounds like that's very much the entrepreneurial uh, uh, spirit that you, the, that you inherited um, growing up. Now, do you think you, you went off to college? Did you stay in, in the Vegas area for college or did you head out? No, I, I actually went to Arizona State University. So Phoenix is about four hours, give or take a few, five hours mm-hmm. from Vegas, which I felt was far enough to not have someone show up on your doorstep, but close enough if anything happened as things do, yep. and that one of us could get one way or the other, either by a very quick flight or a quick drive. Close enough to bring laundry home on the weekends? Not quite. No, not quite. No, I definitely, my mom, my mom was not, she was like, you're the first, the first year I came home from the dorm. She was like, all your stuff smells disgusting. Please, <laughs> please leave it outside for a little while. <laughs> Let it air out. Yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, so, so you head off to college and um, you, you saw credit cards, but uh, it was not, a, there was Sounds like there wasn't a whole lot of discussion. Did you get one of those credit card offers as soon as you stepped on campus or when did that start? You know, I actually, my parents gave me an allowance when I was a freshman in college and, and probably throughout the year, but I, I distinctly may remember this as a, as a freshman because I had never had to manage my own finances. Mm-hmm. And that's something I, I mean, I encourage people to go out of state for college or away from their families because these are the things that you've really never had to do probably. Mm-hmm. Um and so I remember calling my mom crying one day because I think I had $8 in my bank account <laughs> and something happened and I got an overdraw, which then charged you the oh, extra $25. And yep. then it just compounds on itself. Right. Yep. And yep. I remember calling her sobbing because I was $50 under on my bank account. And I was like, but this, this overdraft happened because this wasn't, it, it was a charge and it, it was all those things. And she was like, it's, it's okay. 
we can, we can handle it. It's okay. I, I will yeah. put in the $50. So let's talk about this. And she was always so good about that. But I mean, I, I remember the times going, okay, well, I don't have $20 to withdraw from the ATM. So I guess I'll just figure it out, you know? And so yeah. um, I didn't, I, I don't recall doing credit cards probably until I was later. I, I had one, but it was attached to my parents' card, yeah. which. Okay. Like an authorized user card. Yes. And I think that, I, you know, I knew nothing about it, but really looking back at that, that was a huge piece on my parents' side to do that because yeah. it had a $700 limit or whatever it is. Yeah. And, um, but it helped me build my credit. Yeah. And that was a huge piece of it, but no. So I didn't have my own credit card. I think probably until I started my first job huh. and I made a whopping uh, $22,000 a year. Uh-huh. Um, I made more money as an intern at $5 and 25 cents an hour. Um, and I, I, I truly remember watching TV one day and the news in the morning, they were down, the local station was down at call it the Salvation Army, something like that, doing free tax advice and tax returns for people who were under the poverty level, which at that point was $23,000 or $25,000 a year. And I went, oh my gosh, I'm poor. (laughs) I'm living in poverty. I I didn't know this because I worked so much, but also my parents continued to help supplement because trying to pay rent and afford groceries and all those things and gas in your car and all the things that it wasn't doable. It was, it was really, truly, there was absolutely no money to go do anything else. So, I mean, I was really good that my parents were always very kind of like, okay, here's a hundred bucks, go have fun this weekend or 20, 50 bucks, whatever it might've been. And they were very, Mm -hmm. very kind about that. Um, Because I I think there's that probably that struggle for parents everywhere of you want your child to be able to learn and, and fend for themselves, but also, you know, go to school, get a good job, be able to make a friend and go out and have a beer. Yeah. Um, so that was, um, that was it. So yeah, but then I, then I somehow picked up a credit card Yeah. and it all went downhill from there because it was like, you know, it's like free money and you can, aff- if you can afford the monthly payment on it free then, money until, until it gets maxed out. Right. And right. So, um, there was, there was that. Yeah. So I did that at one point and, and it was stupid things. And I look back at it now as an adult and realize that, you know, I spent money and would go shopping or go do things. Um, that were above my means when I felt down or when I felt like I needed a boost as opposed yeah. to maybe going working out or whatever that might be that provides that boost. And so that's how I lifted myself up with that, that uh, gratification, if you will, of some sort of material thing or um, an experience. And so, yeah. Do you remember the uh, credit limit on that? I want to say it was somewhere around 20. Twenty thousand. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So if, that's pretty high for a first card. So that was uh, you've been been working for a bit then. Yes, probably so. And so uh, I probably it's been a quite a few brain cells ago, but that that would be my guess. <laughs> um, and so I mean that was to get to that point and go, okay, now what? Yeah. I mean it was, and you just had to keep. I mean, she was really good about helping me figure out. Okay, let's do this. Let's structure this. This is how much you should pay into it, and all those things. And it was nice to have that, that, um, that wisdom. Yeah. And you dug yourself this hole and you're not making a whole lot of money because that's just what happens. And so figure it out. You, uh, you know, I want to, I want to, uh, 
you mentioned that when you were in college, that you 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 were down to eight dollars on the mm-hmm. account, and for a college student, when you get you know fifty dollars, looking back at at it now, you you think fifty dollars, oh, you know that that's that's hardly something to blink an eye at, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a big deal for you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and you think about um, you know you have kids what you pay a babysitter and you almost feel it's almost feels criminal to pay them for your disastrous child, you know, the $15 an hour. But yeah, that is when you're able to walk away with 30 or 40 or 50 bucks from a night, that's a whole weekend. Yeah. But that, I mean, that it, obviously you remember that of the amount now, and it was it, that it must've been stressful enough uh, to cause you a lot of worry. Yeah. And I think I, I always felt bad being this uh, quote unquote adult, but then having to say, mom and dad, could you pay for my flight home or my power bill? Because it's Phoenix in the summer is more than I expected. Can I have some help? And I always, I really truly hated that. I, I think that was just the, it was awful. And independence. Exactly. And it wasn't really until I started, I worked two jobs at, for a while and um, worked at, in a restaurant um, in addition to my sort of day job, um, working in sports. And it wasn't really until that. And then even when I picked up, um, I guess it was somewhere around that time waiting tables as well, that I was able to make enough money to pay my portions of the rent. Mm-hmm. And I, from, you know, from what I talking to my mom and my dad about it, it, they were like, okay, I see that you see the money, but this isn't a long-term career. You know, your body's going to break down. You're not going to wait tables till you're 80. It's not going to work. And so I, I think they saw that too and thinking, okay, how can we kind of shift this perspective and make sure she finishes school? You know, all the things that as a parent, you're trying to manage all those, like you said, all those moving pieces to that. Do you, um, I mean, if you look, you look at the, the lessons that you've learned, financial lessons, uh, it sounds like you kind of have a mix between lessons from experience, you know, like, like uh, overdrafting mm-hmm. or like getting into a lot of credit card debt and that uh, lessons from, uh, from examples of your parents or from actual discussions with your parents. Mm-hmm. How, how do you see the balance on that? Or how would you have changed it if you were going back and uh, had another chance to, to do it all? You know, it's really interesting. That's a really great question because I, I, I once again put on my parent hat where you know, you, you see your child struggling and you're like, okay, I need to support them. But then they show up in a, a new shirt or new shoes. And you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where did this come from? And I, I never truly felt judged, which I think I really, looking back at that now, I appreciated that mm-hmm. because um, like I said, what I was buying, what I was spending money on was, was superfluous. It wasn't always, it wasn't always um, groceries. Yes, it was, but not always, right? Okay. And so um, I, I don't know. I really don't know the, the answer to that. I think looking back, um, I probably would have let me struggle a little more in terms of just not providing some of the help um, because I, I maybe would have had a better idea of my boundaries, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know, but I, I really do appreciate the... And I, I still, even when I go home, I ask a lot of questions and my mom was really sweet 
Um, probably this is before I started dating my husband. This is probably 10 years ago or so, 11 uh-huh. years ago, she made me a binder and it uh-huh. covered all different topics of like, this is what a bond is. This is what it does. This is what it means. And it were all this sort of financial jargon and things that I needed to be versed on that. I, I, and I thought I brought it, you know, we've moved uh, uh, quite a few times since that, since that uh, binder and I yeah. can't find it anymore. And I'm really bummed about it because I thought that was such a great sort of 101 yeah. into something. And so I really do give her a lot of credit for um, for educating me and still being that source of education and never judging when I had questions or when I was stuck. Or And so I really do appreciate that uh, on her behalf because it is a fine, it's a fine line to walk as a parent yeah. and you can you can only do so much, but yeah. um, you help how you can. And so I do really appreciate her perspective on all the things. And, and to this day, she was great. Even going through my MBA, I'm like, I don't understand what this means. And she's like, okay, <laughs> let me give you my version of what that looks like on a daily basis. So-and-so calls yeah. and this is what it looks like. And oh, okay, that makes sense. So um, well, I, I love that idea of the binder. I mean, I've, I've thought about putting together some sort of little booklet for my own kids and grandkids as they get older and and then I, I think, well, things change so much, but there's still those principles that you're, you're going to carry with mm-hmm. you. Well, and you look and you can look things up on in an Investopedia or something like that, which yeah. was very helpful. But some of those things are almost too deep. And so mm-hmm. to sort of have that 101 of a, of a mom or dad who speaks that language, um, you know, actually uh, going back to that thought of what would you do differently if um, in that scenario, yeah. I almost am curious and I have a friend who's a, a child therapist and we were actually talking last night about um, she had one of her clients call her who's 16 and is having uh, trouble with girls in her school, which all girls have with girls. And um, I said, it's probably really nice for her to hear what you're saying to her from someone who's not a parent. And so maybe that perspective would be a safe person to talk to about these questions, about these things, or maybe give a little bit of a lecture about some of the things that were happening. And um, our family is very private. So um, she, she probably wouldn't want to have someone she knew know that information. But um, I, I think that would probably have been very helpful from a perspective of just hearing it from someone else who's not your parent, because as we all know, as a teenager or a young adult, you don't want to hear what your parents have to say. There's my parents. Right? Yeah, they're my parents. They know nothing. Um, my my son's three, and he still he already tells me that he's smarter than it, both my husband and I. And I said, "Well, do you yeah. have do you have a degree? No. Okay. Well, then I'm smarter. <laughs> <laughs> I need something concrete that that I can show me. Point show out. me. Yes. Yeah. No. That's that's. You know, I hear the same thing from from teachers when I when I would go into classrooms and. Uh, Teach, uh, teachers would, I would tell the teachers, look, this is nothing that, that you, you don't already teach. And they said, yeah, but you're not here with them all day, every day. And so they'll, they'll listen to you and same thing with parents. So, yeah. So that, that might be my going back to that. What I might've done differently is, is to seek uh, additional advice. And, you know, I don't think you could find, this was 20 years ago, plus or minus a few and so I don't think you could find some of the, the resources that we have now. And I mean, there's so many great um, apps and companies that teach you about budgeting and yeah. really walking through that process. And I, I mean, even things like Splitwise, which allows you to split up a trip and, and parcel in who owes what and make it an yeah. easy, seamless situation. And 
So I really do think that there are some great resources out, but I still think that the baseline of challenges still exist. Yeah. At, uh, at some point with, when you were dealing with your credit card debt, did you feel overwhelmed by it? Was it, was it so much that you thought, oh, I don't know how I'm going to get over it? Or was it, uh, it's manageable, I'm just, I, but I just want to get rid of it? Um, probably a little bit of both. I think there is something that feels like you're just staring into a black hole when you see that sort of number on your statement that says, if you pay this much, you'll pay this off by 2020. You're like, wait a minute, what? Um, and so, I mean, it's similar to a mortgage, but I think to me, a mortgage, at least I had an asset. Yeah. And so I felt like, and that's one thing, great thing that my parents taught me is, is owning property. And yeah. so that was, I, I, um, I, I bought a house at a young age and really that was a huge opportunity. And I, I bought it and sold one in, in 2008, which worked out, not 2008. What was the spike? That would have been 2000, 2007. Yeah. 2007-ish, 2006, 2007. Yeah. And so I went, oh, this is a great investment. I can make more money than I make in a year yeah. by doing a real estate investment, which also makes my, my mortgage payments cheaper than rent somewhere. Yeah. And so, um, I, I, like I said, so I, I feel like there's that dark hole of a mortgage, but you have an asset, at least at that point. Where credit card debt is just purely this black hole that you feel like you're just throwing your hard-earned money into. Um, and so, yes, I do feel like it's achievable, but I also felt like it was a really long slog. Was there anything that you um, you did in, in particular that you recall that you're like, okay, this is what I'm doing to get out of this and I don't want to ever do have to deal with this again? I always tried to pay when I went to pay it off or pay it as we started to pay things off, I always tried to pay just a little bit more mm-hmm. over what I, what I, what the statement said. And sometimes that was $10 because it's like, Hey, $10 is better than nothing. Right. And so um, there was that piece of it. So I always tried to pay off a little more than I could. Um, some people don't see it that way though. So, but some people just say, Oh, it's only $10. Right. But it's only, it's, it's, it's better than nothing was my theory. Absolutely. Um, and I really switched to paying for things in cash. That was the thing I kind of resorted back to because I understood that. And mm-hmm. you then I realized how much money a grocery trip was costing because all of a sudden you're paying for your groceries and you took out $200 for the week. Well, you had to pay for gas and groceries. There went your $200. Yeah. Um, and so that was sort of just going back to the basics for me or back to what I knew was really mm-hmm. how I started to say, okay, now I've got to pay attention to this and I'm, I'm going to have to, you know, I, as a single person, I ate eggs all the time because that was just easy. It's like, yeah. okay, well, you can buy the egg beaters for this, egg whites for this, what's on sale. You really start to figure out some of those things and the things that aren't important. And yeah. I even say now, like in where I'm now, I'm sort of the rational one of, is that important? Because I've learned that system in my head of trying to get, trying to get that instant gratification. I've mm-hmm. seen it. I've, I've learned it. I've, I've lived it. And so, I mean, it's so easy now on things to throw it in your Amazon cart and buy it. And it's midnight and you saw this infomercial type of thing, or someone told you about (laughs) it, or you saw an Instagram post. And so um, I I do try to, if I do put stuff in the cart, I try not to check out right away. Things like that, where just those little things, because I even see it in my son where he's like, okay, um, I liked that car. I'm glad we picked that out. So is it here yet? Uh, no, buddy, we just ordered it three seconds ago. It doesn't arrive that quick, but where is it? And so you no. see this, exactly, you see this instant gratification that comes um, with the next generation. And 
things, waiting for things to come in the mail. And it's just, it's so fascinating to me because we can order groceries and have them on our doorstep in 30 minutes. Right. And uh, you, you pay for that convenience, but uh, it is, it's, 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 it's a teaching opportunity from my perspective of, all right, buddy, we're going to mail this to to Grammy. She's going to get it in five days if, if it shows up at all. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, hopefully, yeah, exactly. So it's just really interesting to, to, to see that from a different perspective and, yeah. and, and how you map that out and things, like I said, leaving things in the cart and not buying them immediately because maybe you don't need that, but you yeah. saw it and you thought that was a great idea, but t- next day you're like, did I really need that? But now I'm not going to go return it because then I got to go to the, the UPS store and I'm not, I'm not going to do all those things. Yeah, by, by the next day, you've thought of three other things that you'd rather have at that point. So. Right, right, exactly. Or a better product or whatever that might be, yeah. or a better price. You saw a better price on it. I love I love the the your experience of, of just deciding to go cash, buying for things, buying things in cash. I mean, there's the whole consumer behavior um, psychology is, you know, if we don't count out uh, the purchase. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no pain. There's, yes. There's no pain related to that purchase. And so we just buy whatever by actually having to count out or just hand over something physical. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, the studies are pretty clear. If you don't hand something over, if you're just swiping, we spend 15, 20% more than we would with cash. I totally, I totally agree. I completely agree. And it is, it's sort of just, it's, we were talking about something I was telling my, my son and about, you know, we go to the ATM to get money, but that actually comes from our bank account. And, and that concept of for little brains, that's hard to process. So that process of let's not swipe the credit card. I want you to pay for this in cash. So this one's a five. Now hand that to the lady. How much do we have left? And it's all those things that, you know, we we try to instill and, but it is, it's a great way to check yourself truly. Well, I'm, I, I think it's great that you're uh, even just little lessons like that with, with your, uh, with your child, that uh, it's a little, a little way to, to start uh, to, to increase their own financial literacy. Amy, let me uh, let's, let's start talking about then um, as we, as we head into the home stretch here to start using the uh, sports analogy, right? <laughs> um, when did you decide, at what point did you decide, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to start a business around sports. <laughs> well, um, it's, it's a long story that I will make short. It sort of started uh, when I worked in baseball and I was with a girlfriend at a game and the guys were running off the field and she said, what are they doing? I said, well, they have three outs. And she said, what's an out? Uh-huh. And I thought, what an advantage do I have to be able to go to a networking happy hour, all these things and have this sports knowledge. Tell the story. Of Ex- the, tell the sports story. Inning, two outs. Exactly. And she was going into a male-dominated, she had a, a job in a male-dominated industry as well. And she was missing out on that opportunity to level the playing field because that's what people were talking about. And I realized like, she didn't need to know the box score, yeah. but she probably needed to know something along the lines of um, the, the World Series is happening right now or the Super mm-hmm. Bowl. And it doesn't have to be, there's all these great stories around the world of sports. And so uh, I had that idea while I was working for the team. That was 14 years before we started it. Mm-hmm. And because as I mentioned, I was working an obscene amount of hours for $5 and 25 cents an hour <laughs> yeah. and things like MailChimp and Squarespace, these didn't exist at that point. So you couldn't right. make a website without spending an obscene amount of money. 
and so when my husband and I moved back to the U.S. from Singapore, uh, I couldn't find a job. It was right. I had looked for a couple months before we moved and it was right around Thanksgiving. And I thought, okay, well, Thanksgiving time, no one really hires between Thanksgiving and Christmas or Thanksgiving right. and New Year's. And so uh, over the Thanksgiving dinner table, I said, okay, uh, brother, what do you think about starting this business we talked about a long time ago? I don't know what it looks like. Let's figure it out. And so as everything does when you start a business, it starts off kind of ugly. It was a little more sports focused than I wanted it to be, but I hadn't figured out how to translate that. Uh, and my brother, Scott, is the one who knows everything about sports. He is just mm-hmm. like the sports guru. And okay. so over time, he and I sort of tweaked our model of, he now finds stories like LeBron James standing up for Tom Hanks after Tom Hanks gets in a fight with paparazzi and all these things that are, that are pop culture tie-ins about the world of sports that mm-hmm. make that a conversational piece for anyone. And so not just to, here's the, here's the scores from last night. It's, right. Uh, let's talk about the stories from last night or from yesterday. Let's talk about the stories. Let's talk about um, really what's happening. Um, you know, Super Bowl is a great example for that. Yeah. Super Bowl, there's a game, but most people don't watch that nor care about the teams. Um, <laughs> they want to watch the commercials. They want to eat the food. And that's kind of how we cover sports. Is, yeah. is that same way of what happens around the game. There are all these great things going on. And, and let's, yes, let's make sure that we talk about um, the college world series, college baseball world series or something like that. But also let's talk about the tales around that and what makes that interesting. And that's sort of how we, we cover that because I, I do think that there's so much to talk about in sports is uh, I, I consider sports another tool in your tool belt for success. Yeah. Yeah. And you can take a conversation about sports and turn it into just about anything. We can talk about, you and I are talking about the Chicago Cubs. Well, we could talk about what we love about Chicago. How often we go to Chicago? Where do we stay? Where do we eat? Do you like to travel? I mean, you could really turn this into a whole entire conversation about uh, what did you like to do as a kid with your parents? Did you ever go to baseball games? I mean, there's all these different facets of how you can take that sports conversation into something that you already know about. Oh, yeah. If you're going to talk about the Cubs, you always talk about, you know, hopes, hopes lost and hopes, hopes uh, finally uh, met, that sort of thing, right? Exactly, exactly. Achieving those goals. and Yes, exactly. So there's so many pieces to the sports world that really have nothing to do with sports that you're able to utilize and maximize for your benefit in a conversation. Yeah. I mean, you and I were talking earlier. I just, I was saying that, uh, you know, Wimbledon time, you had a story about Rufus. Yes, Rufus is the hawk that patrols the grounds of Wimbledon, Wimbledon to keep away the pigeons from things that I had never even thought about. Right. From okay. you think about it, from eating the popcorn off the spectators or bird poop and all the things, right? Yeah. And so it's just it is fascinating to me that there are so many fun, interesting things to learn about in sports that have really nothing to do with what's happening on right. the field or on the court. So once you uh, so you uh, you set this thing up, you, you tweak it for a bit, but uh, you know. From the time you set it up, you're set for life, right? Financially, you don't have to do anything, right? I mean, that's what that's how that's the thought is you set up a business <laughs> and uh, income is just there and you can spend everything you want, right? Um, yeah, sure. We'll go with that. Uh, you know, it was really important to me when we started because I had seen, I had worked with a couple of clients who had, had spent money, a lot of money up front to set up their business. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to figure it out myself. I was not going to spend money. And then looking back, there are probably some things I should have spent money on just to make it easier because, you know, time is money at some point. Yeah, but yeah. Um, 
I, that was really important to me. But you know, as you as you grow, you think, okay, I can I can afford to do this. I can afford to add in advertising. I can all those things. But then you just like everything, your life, but business is the same way. You all of a sudden come to a new threshold. You're like, okay, now I have to figure out online ads. And how do I do that? Okay. Well, the best way for me to do that is probably what I learned the hard way is you pay someone to run the ads because the money you spent on an ad that failed would have paid for someone with some actual production uh, and positive results in that ad. So, you know, for me, that was, those were sort of the things that I, I realized that you know, I, I pay for the things that I, and there are still not a lot of things that we pay for. Most of them are services like your website and email list, yeah. et cetera. But, um, you know, we have one person who works with us part-time and, and helps with social media because that is something that I realized I can't make more of me to find more time to do that. But I also, yeah. Yeah. I don't see Facebook changes their algorithm every single week. And so I, there is no way I can keep up with that. So that is just something that I, you know, make sure that, I pay, I pay someone for it because that is just worth it to me. Yeah. As a, as a business owner, have you had that? Uh, uh, I'm sure you have, but this, the, the thought in your mind, okay, I can, I can do this. We can, we can go down this camp, do this campaign, or I could use that money and take my family on a trip or, I mean, it's because it, business mm-hmm. running a business is not, it's, it's, it's not a personal, it's personal. I mean, you, yes. you it affects your family. Yes. And, you know, for me, um, I, I accepted a position to do an adjunct professor job um, at uh, Oklahoma State University in the fall. And for me, part of that was a, a promised capital that I knew I could have, that I could be able to say, OK, with my money, I'm, with the salary I make here, I can go do something with that for my family. So I'm not I'm actually giving back versus taking, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is, that was, that was always something that's really important to me. I was always taught to be self-sufficient yeah. and that becomes more complicated as you own a business and you have a family and you have little people to, to feed and clothe and all the other things. So it becomes just different and, um, and more challenging. And so that to me was taking that. And I'm sure that, you know, you, you talk to a lot of different people, but there's, there's this, there's this appeal or this allure sometimes to go back to the corporate world because I get a salary, I get days off where people can't bother me or not supposed to bother me. I don't know what that's like. I don't think I've had a day off. Um, gosh, probably since we started in 2012. And so, uh, for me, I, I I do, there's this, there's, and I, I, in all my friends who are entrepreneurs, I see it and we talk about it is, there is this sort of allure, if you will, to the nine to five, um, which nothing's nine to five anymore, but um, you see this allure of all of it where um, truly when we all get into it, there is, there's pluses and minuses to all perspectives, right? You get paid a salary, but you also, if you want to pop out out and go pick your kid up at school at three o'clock, you can't do that. And so um, there's pluses and minuses to all of it, but it it is kind of funny when you talk about the, the stability that comes with something like that. Yeah. I, uh, as we, uh, I want to, I want to ask you for, um, for a favorite, uh, piece of advice or, or a gem, you know, you, you said you, you were just, you just referred to, um, things are, are always, things are coming out different and more challenging. And that, I mean, that's just sounds like life, right? There's always mm-hmm. something different happening, more challenging, but what would you, uh, with, with your experience, all these different experiences you've had and, and the challenges you've had, 
Um, but what, what is one of your favorite pieces of financial advice you'd leave with our listeners? Um, I would actually, I have two sort of, I have one or two financial tips or maybe things that I did that might help somebody else because um, I think we're, we're, we're being pitched to spend money all the time. Yeah. And how do you turn that off? Because sometimes when you turn, if you can figure out how to turn it off, you don't miss it. You don't miss the buying something or this and that. You, you kind of resort back to the, the what you need. And um, so for me, sort of some of the tips are I, I, I went through and looked through all my reoccurring charges. That was a huge thing because you're paying for stuff you didn't, especially from a business perspective, you sign up for the music you for your podcast that you pay you know, royalty for, yeah. but all of a sudden you don't use that music anymore. So it's like those kinds of things where I really went through and looked at those. And um, obviously the, the whole things in your card is great. But one that really got me was canceling email subscriptions. And that is you buy something from, you buy something from Walmart, uh-huh. then you're on your email list. You're getting every time they have a sale, you're getting every time they have this or that. Yep. Um, any product you buy, you land on an email list. Yep. And I have put those all in my trash and canceled them. I've done the same with catalogs because if I don't see it, I'm not going to buy it. I'm going to go when I need it. Yeah. And so that for me was a huge piece of just taking away that noise and deleting it and putting it in the junk and getting rid of it and saving paper by not getting catalogs. Right. And so that would be my, my kind of tip, if you will. Yeah. Um, and I would say my, my one piece of advice that I've really, really stuck to uh, is do one thing every day that scares you. And that has been one of my favorite things that I, I have a card that is in my office that says that because every day that's different. Some days that's, um, that's saying yes to doing something scary going and, and taking on a new job, a new role, a new, new something. But some days that's just, you know, believing in yourself and saying, okay, today we're going to do this and we're going to give it a go today because you know what, this is scary, but I'm going to, you know, when we started doing social, our, our social person was like, I need more of you on, on your Instagram page. I don't want to see all just your, like your, your content. I want to see you. What are you doing behind the scenes? And I was like, what, what do you mean? What does that even mean? I don't, I have to do a video and look at the camera. What am I 20? Yeah. Like, no, I don't, that's right. not, and so it's some of those things are scary, but they're part of what you need to grow your business or to grow yourself. And, and so um, I would say, just do that one thing every day that scares you, whatever that might be, pick up the phone and call somebody. And some days that might be firing someone, whatever that might be. Oh, be yeah. yeah. But you know, it's, 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 it's saying yes to you and no to somebody else, like saying yes to your growth. And so I, I, I think that's one thing that is just it's always kind of stuck with me. And I get in those spots where I'm like, I don't want to, I don't know how to do this. I don't want to do this. Just do it. And but you've already learned that uh, you already have the capacity. I mean, mm-hmm. We're scared to fail, but if you've done it, I mean, even if we fail, it's okay. Yeah, I survived. So what it's, and it's great. I think it's Sarah Blakely. I want to um, founder of Spanx and, and I might jo- jo- uh, screw this up just a little bit, but Essentially, at the end of the day, her dad, when they had discussions around the dinner table, would be like, how'd you fail today? Oh, and that, that was a conversation about how failing is normal. It happens every single day. We all fail at something and it's no big deal. Let's, how do we fix it tomorrow? How do we keep going? You know, whatever that, that, that thing might be. And so um, I just kind of like the normalcy of making failure, making mistakes, all those things happen. And how do we just normalize that and move on? And so it's okay to be scared. It's okay to fail. Take that step. Do something that scares you. Um, and 
go cancel those catalogs. Oh, oh. <laughs> I love it. I know what my conversation is going to be tonight at the dinner table. Yeah, I can't wait to hear about question. it. Yeah. Well, Amy, how can our listeners uh, find you online? Uh, we are on Instagram at last night's game, and that's probably our most um, active platform. You can find me on there. And if you ever have any questions, you can DM me. I'm the one who uh, answers all of those and reads all those messages. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we're at lastnightsgame.com. And that's where you can sign up for our tri-weekly email publication. That's about a three-minute read every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And of course, lastly, we have a podcast as well called Sports Curious. And it is a five-minute podcast uh, about something happening in the world of sports that's interesting. And I promise that it will always be interesting, slightly entertaining. Sometimes I think I'm funny, but uh, it is going to be quick and painless. So that's kind of how we look at it. Everyone, Everyone's busy. And so I, I really believe in short and sweet. No, I, I'll, uh, I'll uh, uh, say that I agree with that because I was just, I was listening to it and that's I'm talking about Wimbledon and, and the white uniforms and the pigeons and roofs. That was really, <laughs> I loved it. Well, thank you. I appreciate you listening. Amy, thank you for being on the uh, Money Fit show today. I really appreciate your time and sharing, uh, opening up. I mean, that, a lot of people talk about something that's scary. So a lot of people are, are, are don't, uh, aren't super comfortable talking about that. So thank you for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. You bet. And to our listeners, thank you for listening in, for uh, uh, sticking with us and for um, hopefully gathering, gaining out of this what uh, what so, much, so many of us do, uh, learning something new every day about personal finance. If you want to listen to one of our podcast, uh, our uh, previous podcast episodes, you can find it at moneyfit.org slash podcast. I would love it if you would hit the subscribe link right down there or uh, and and hit the like button. Um, help us uh, get this information out to more people. And so until next time, please stay money fit and stay well. <laughs>